you really do need to do your inspections and investigations because if there's some mold or water damage or something, it's very important to know that up front because those things can really cost you the difference between your return on your investment and, and no return. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Ah, just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house do you think it's going to stand out more i think so and our friends at fun that flip you know fun that flip matt rodak he's been on the show before many times he's a friend of mine he's also the owner of fun that flip and they're a sponsor of today's episode What they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you got to do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've got to qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process, but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's going to help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out all the fluff that you hear out there and we only talk about the best real estate advice that moves your business forward. With us today, we have an experienced entrepreneur, someone who has been in the real estate industry and been achieving a high level of success. How you doing, Shannon Rose? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show, Joe. My pleasure, my friend. And nice to meet you and looking forward to diving in a little bit about Shannon and then she'll get into it in more detail. She is the founder of the Rose Real Estate Group, and she's the leader of a top producing team of real estate agents at Keller Williams. She's based in Cupertino, California. I love saying Cupertino for some reason. Her <laughs> team stats in the last 12 months, over $60 million in sales, 10.5% over asking price, and nine days on market on average since 2014. But prior to becoming a licensed realtor, she was a real estate investor, And she was the CFO of a venture capital firm. With that being said, Shannon, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. Hello, best ever listeners. Just a little bit background about me. As Joe mentioned, you know, I come from an accounting background and in the dot-com world, when we were having a little dot-bomb, I switched over on the residential real estate side. And in between there, I was uh, an investor in real estate, which is what actually sprung my interest in this amazing industry. And having invested in two properties a year for about seven years, I eventually, during that time frame, got my real estate license and decided to kind of take my accounting skills and my 
what should have been a nurse or a teacher kind of caretaker skills into helping people buy and sell real estate, both for their personal use and investment opportunities. Are you still buying real estate? I am. Have you kept up that pace of two properties a year? Is it seven years as of now or did you take a break and now you're buying less than that or more? I took a break after I got my real estate license and switched careers just to kind of jump into my career and restarted those investing opportunities about two years ago, which obviously wasn't the best time to do that with the markets tightening here or locally, but I'm always very cautious in what I invest in, so that's why it took me a while. We also had a huge downturn where there was opportunity, but I also had life changes going on that just didn't render that appropriate at the time. What type of deals were you buying when you're doing two properties a year? Probably back in 1998 to, I don't know, 2004, somewhere in there, was when I was doing the two a year. And, you know, it, it can sound to some people a slow pace and to other people a very quick pace. I quite frankly found it just right. I mean, I was always shopping or always financing or always closing, and then it was on to shopping for the next one. But mostly I was buying residential real estate. I had a few opportunities with duplex, triplex, fourplexes. Pretty much everything was under four units at that time. And buying and holding for the most part and occasionally flipping during those times. But flipping is like a word that I hate to use, but it's a well-known term and people understand it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that what you were doing? Were you flipping them? Were you fixing them up and turning them around and selling for a profit shortly? I was doing both. At the time back then in you know the late 90s, early 2000s, it was more of a buy and hold play. Do you still have those properties? Now it's a little bit more flipping, but it's always been a combination of everything. I do not. And it's an interesting story to share with you about you know some of my personal growth experiences and mistakes I've made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that intrigues me as it does, I'm sure, the best ever listeners. So what happened to the properties? Well, during the time of all the short sales where everybody was buying five properties on one day, I was doing this slower pace thing, according to some, and I think you can spread yourself too thin, and it's really important to make sound, savvy investments and not have too much skin in the game, because looking back, it could have really been a disaster. I, I feel very fortunate that I made a choice to get out of some of those properties when I did, because eight months or 18 months later, I could have been alongside of several of my friends with credit issues and short sales under their belts and so forth. So I I was very fortunate to just choose a time where I personally thought the market was at a height and and was maybe in a downward spiral and got out of most of them with great success and others with, you know, small success. Oh, well, there's no mistakes there. That, that's just that, that, that's just having a crystal ball and not sharing it with the rest of the world. The rest of the world, I'm sure, would have benefited too. So you sold before the market crash. So what were the lessons learned on that? What helped you identify that there was an impending correction in the market? Some of the indicators were really, they varied from every property, but some of the indicators were just sort of over abuse, so to speak, by tenants and kind of frustrated with that process. So opportunity to get out from under it and not have those headaches anymore. Other opportunities were just indicators in surrounding areas that were a little less populated, knowing that the higher population 
it will eventually take toll there too. And it might be a little bit of my experience in finance and accounting and just being aware of markets and trends and actually spending some time studying that. You know, I think it's really important. A lot of people make the mistake of wanting to just jump in and it sounds super sexy to buy something and make a lot of money off of it. You have to buy savvy and smart and make sound decisions and investigate the whole economics and what's going on in the market for that local industry or market. Because if you don't, it can be really treacherous on you. What specifically, based on your background in finance, because you mentioned that, what specifically Mm -hmm. do you look for? Because a lot of people will say, look at the market indicators, see where the market's headed. But what are the data points and where do you get those data points? Well, I think one of the biggest data points that I look at is where are companies going? You have big companies that, name drop or not, are moving into areas that have already done a ton of economic research. Those are traditionally areas that I want to look at that if they're on the lower price point of things now, and then these companies are committing to moving in in 18 months, 24 months, and buying up commercial real estate, likely five to seven years from now, that real estate is going to be on an upward swing. So that's a real huge indicator for me is just what's going on in the industry. What industries are coming to the market? Is it a grocery store or a major tech company that's employing people? Either of those two companies have done research. Whatever spectrum you're on, I mean, it could even be out in Detroit. It could be something, an automobile industry or something is coming in. So I think it's very important to know the local market in which you're purchasing in. And now, obviously, with the Internet, there's a variety of resources where we can get that data. I mean... Just Google it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, and knowing and just driving around. I mean, I, I can tell you my local market with one of my apartment communities, I drive around and if I see construction, I stop by and I walk up to the construction people and I just ask them, hey, what do we got going on here? What are you building? And yeah, eight times out of 10, they'll tell me what they're doing. And the example with my property in Cincinnati in particular, there was a, the second mm-hmm. largest Kroger marketplace in all of Ohio was built like a month after we closed. And that was one of the things I look for. I mean, going off of your insight, what companies are going there and they've done a whole lot of research like, hey, this would be a path of progress versus if you see construction for a dollar tree, everything's a buck. That, right. That's a different type yeah. of demographic. And for the best of our listeners, I think that local city offices have so much information that the general public doesn't know that they have or will provide. If you're local in the market space in which you're buying, you can go to local city council meetings and really learn a ton about what's on the horizon for development, whether it's five years from now or five months from now. Mm -hmm. It's got to open your ears and listen. What are you buying now? Right now, I'm mostly buying things to sort of rehab them and turn them into something that buyers really want, kind of combining my investor skills with my quote-unquote job skills, right? My career as a residential real estate agent, I love helping people find their dream home, and buyers often have a really hard time seeing through a little bit of the mucky muck Mm -hmm. and the less than cleanliness and so forth. So... I've been finding opportunities to rehab and turn into something that's going to be somebody's dream home. For those opportunities, right now, that's what I've been doing because our market's been incredible. Who on your team helps you with that process? Well, on my team, from a job perspective, my entire team helps. I mean, I have an administrator who really 
helps procure all the vendors for my clients off to do those rehab projects. Just really making sure that we have a great list of vendors on on the call list that have availability, provide great quality of service, and show up on time. I mean, it's one thing that's really hard to find. And in any industry, it's the same thing. You could work in the tech industry here and have a, be on a project, and there's always one guy that just doesn't pull his weight, right? So it's the same thing in real estate, and it's the same thing in construction. And we try to weed those out through the administrative help on my team. And when prices start skyrocketing because they're too busy and we've given them too much work, then we find somebody else. <laughs> we really do want to find the best service for our customer, our client, as well as my own investments. What is your primary role in the process? Because you've got vendors, but as far as the flipping goes, are you swinging the hammer? Are you the general contractor? Are you identifying the property to buy? Are you listing it? Where are you at in the process? So traditionally, I identify the properties or others on my team identify the properties. And from there, it really does take a careful eye at what needs to be done and can be done versus was this a money pit underneath what already might look less than perfect. So I have been known to swing a hammer or, you know, remove some tile floors or tear out a kitchen and whatnot. It just depends on timing and when we find it and what else we have on our plate. But for the most part, at this point, with the kind of sales that we're doing on the retail side, I'm not doing much of that anymore. I'm contracting it out and just making sure that the vendor list is really affordable and doing good quality work because I think that that's where the money's made. I think a lot of investors make a mistake of, you know, quote unquote flipping and they go on the lower end of quality of labor, lower end of quality of materials, and there is a cost effective way to get something that looks good, feels good, and has a craftsmanship that was well executed. And you don't have to pay exorbitant amount of dollars. And at the end of the day, that does reward you a greater return on your investment, whether you're investing in these opportunities for yourself or you're the homeowner who's doing these kinds of rehabs to just get more money out of your own home sell for you know, your retirement funds or whatnot. Tell us the numbers on one of the deals that you've done recently as far as what was the acquisition, how much did you put in, and what did you sell it for? I have a couple of really good recent statistics. One's a little older um, in a really great market. We felt the property was probably worth market value at that time, about $1.25 million. We acquired it. It was in complete original 60s condition. We acquired it for about 1.175. We put 65 grand into it, completely, pretty much rehabbed the entire house, moved some plumbing around, you know, changed bathrooms, expanded the master from a small stall shower to a nice full-size shower. The only things original left in the home were the roof, the windows, and the kitchen cabinets, which we fully sanded down, painted threw on some knobs. Everything else was brand new in the home from flooring to light switches, electrical fixtures, plumbing, you name it. And we did all of that for $65,000. We ended up selling that for $1.565 million. And that was a couple of years ago when the market was really, really hot. So, you know, providing a buyer with a modern to contemporary look that was move-in ready was absolutely what buyers were looking for. But even in just the, the last month, we purchased something for 931000 
put 25 grand into it and resold it for a million 62. We sold that in six days with that kind of gain. It was, it was incredible. How are you financing the properties initially? Sometimes it's just a traditional 30% down investor loan and the rest is in cash for the rehab. Other opportunities, we're able to just put the cash in and split some profits with the owner who maybe doesn't have the cash but you know owns the property outright or has a mortgage on the property currently that they're able to sustain. And we put an agreement together with the homeowner to add these funds into the rehab and we share on the profitability of that. I don't think I've heard of that before. Maybe I have, but you, so you, you part, I, but I don't, I can't recall. So you partner with the homeowner in some cases and basically do a joint mm-hmm. venture with them and split the profits. Yeah, exactly. And it may not be necessarily a 50, 50 split. You know, we want them to get the most out of it. They've got the equity in the home. So obviously their equity is their equity, but based on the dollar figures that we put in and the increased value from one appraisal to another that we can bring to the table, we split that less the expenses that we put in to rehab it. So it's extremely fair. Shannon, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Best real estate advice. I think I kind of already shared it with the best ever listeners. It's like buy smart and repair smart. You absolutely have to buy cost-effective upgrades. Don't be skimpy on labor. There's more that meets the eye sometimes, and you really need to investigate that and not think that it's just a bad kitchen. You really do need to do your inspections and investigations because if there's some mold or water damage or something, it's very important to know that up front because those things can really cost you the difference between your return on your investment and no return. Be aware of the market and people's wants and needs for the resale value. Based on the kind of investing that we're doing right now, those are my pieces of advice. You ready for the best ever lightning round? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) All right. Well, first, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, if you're looking to take control of your retirement and you have a 401k or IRA, then check out Sense Financial. It's S-E-N-S-E financial.com. They offer you the chance to take control of your retirement accounts through the self-directed 401k and IRA programs. You can request your free consultation at sensefinancial.com. What's the best ever book you've read? Oh, let's see. Us Weekly? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The Alchemist. Ah, yes. The Alchemist. Alchemist. I recently listened to an interview that Tim Ferriss did with the author of The Alchemist. So best ever listeners, clearly Uh. your podcast people. So go listen to that Tim Ferriss episode with the author of The Alchemist. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? Personal investing, you know, don't spread yourself too thin, buy sound investments. I look back and I I think that my biggest growth experience was from those opportunities in the first market crash that I experienced. And um, looking back, it could have really been a disaster. My friends all went through short sales and credit issues and, you know, I got lucky, but in hindsight, I did have myself spread too thin and I think that was a huge personal growth opportunity for me in my investing world was just don't spread yourself too thin and make sound investments best ever deal you've done oh that's easy I basically helped somebody which kind of came around to why I started the investing and financing in the way that I do 
I helped a homeowner in my real estate career, you know, really come out of something that could have otherwise been disastrous. When he reached out, he had been out of his job for a while and we thought he was in a short sale situation. I was able to put some money into his house on his behalf, you know, my personal investment into his home. And in the end, we ended up not with a short sale and he walked away with $80,000 in his pocket to go start his life over. He had been out of work for a couple of years, gone through all the refinancing that he could possibly do with his current lender. And I think honestly, that was the best deal I ever did because it really just made me feel great about helping people and changing their lives. Nice segue into what's the best ever way you like to give back? Well, amongst, you know, charities and donations, which we do all the time, I think the biggest way that I give back is by coaching others and training others. I mean, every day I try and teach someone something. What would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? <laughs> Starting an LLC with friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I had had some success and the market was about to turn. We didn't know it. Friends finally wanted to get involved and uh, we started an LLC and you know, the market did turn and I had the experience to know how to handle that. And they were just so excited about the opportunities of making big dollars that that kind of got in the way of their vision. And so that was a big mistake that I've made in real estate because I basically sold my shares to them for a dollar just to walk away because it was too many, too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, you got to really know who you're working with and trust them and, and know that you're all on the same page. I mean, similar to just getting married. It's like you want to know the way they want to raise the kids is the same way you want to raise the kids. How much did you lose on that? Um, probably about $50,000. How did it turn out for them? I haven't circled back, actually. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you still friends? We're still friends, but it, it's just something, you know what I mean? Like for me, I think a lot of people get hung up on things like that. And for me, I'm not hung up on it. If we talk about it, that's great. But um, I don't need to talk about it. I don't want to make them feel bad. I don't want to feel good for putting them in a bad position and vice versa. I mean, I think the transverse absolutely could occur, right? They could be doing really well and I had lost 50 grand. I don't know that they want to make me feel that way either. So we just really never talk about it. And I hope it was successful for them. You know, I was willing to walk away and I did and, and I was okay with that. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Absolutely by email. My email is team at rosegroupre.com, and that's rosegroupre, like real estate. Well, Shannon, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about market trends, how to identify certain areas. One of the, the golden nuggets that you gave was see where the companies are going. And as you said, a ton of companies have already done research, so utilize those smart people in those Fortune 500 company boardrooms and see where they're taking their companies as well as the flips that you went through. You said do cost-effective upgrades. Don't be skimpy on the labor and make sure, especially with the type of flips that you're doing around the million dollar mark, you have the quality that you need to market to the right buyer and then how you're partnering with homeowners to do flips in some cases and doing the joint venture I haven't heard of that. I think that's pretty cool. And it's another way to get in on a deal and have everybody benefit. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Best ever listeners, if you're looking to take control of your retirement 
and you have a 401k or IRA, then check out Sense Financial. It's S-E-N-S-E financial.com. They offer you the chance to take control of your retirement accounts through the self-directed 401k and IRA programs. You can request your free consultation at sensefinancial.com.